You're listening to Boss Ladies and Babies. Are you ready to blab with me? Grab a front row seat as I adventure through motherhood, build my career, and not lose my shit. This podcast is a place for women to come together and relate through the highs and lows of business and motherhood, keep it real, and learn some new business tips and tricks while inspiring each other to do the dang thing. So close your eyes and take a deep breath, mama. You found us. It might not always be pretty, but you can count on one thing. We are in this hot mess together. Welcome back to Boss Ladies and Babies. Oh my gosh, why is it still January? I don't want to just come in hot complaining on this episode, but I am ready for January to end, for February to begin, for Valentine's Day, and a couple steps closer to the spring and sunshine and all of those things, right? I just... This January has been rough for me, and I feel like so many other people, I've heard so many people talk about how rough it's been. So if you are experiencing a bumpy January, just know you're not alone. Again, I hate to come on here and just complain, but I just had to get that off my chest. Like, let's get through this month and really start the new year in February. Who's with me? All right. I am obsessed with this episode today. I am obsessed with the guest for this episode We had such a great conversation that I think is really going to resonate so well with so many people who are going to listen to this. I feel like the approach that she has for a topic that people kind of feel uncomfortable talking about sometimes is so comfortable and so genuine and just makes so much sense. Like she is just full of knowledge and so insightful and I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. But before we do... I'm going to kick things off with the highs and lows for my week. All right, so my high for this week is I am slowly starting to feel better. Um, I'm heading into my second trimester. Things are finally starting to calm down with the nausea and a lot of like my symptoms are slowly starting to get better and I'm getting into like our routine again. Uh, My daughter's back in preschool and her dance class started back up, at least for now, all those things are happening. And so I've been kind of forcing myself to like literally forcing, like have to peel myself out of the bed to get up and get ready in the mornings. Um, This is something I used to do. Like I always would wake up a couple hours before my daughter and kind of like start my day that way. But since being pregnant, I just haven't had the energy to do that. And now I just think that's like I fell out of the routine. So this week I have been working really hard to get myself up, get myself out of bed and get ready. Like I went so long without getting ready while I was in the thick of pregnancy symptoms that I just was feeling awful like physically, but then also mentally feeling really bad because when I looked in the mirror, I didn't look like myself. I didn't feel like myself, right? So I've been making an effort to like get up, get dressed, put a little bit of makeup on, do my hair, just like put myself together. And it's been helping so much. I feel less fatigue. I feel a lot more productive and just better throughout the day. It like gets my blood moving. And I I remember why I liked to do that before. So hopefully as time goes on and, you know, our routine stays up and running, I'll be able to continue doing this and kind of get back to how I was before my first trimester. So that's been really a good moment for me this week. Uh, My low for the week is also like 
kind of a hot mess moment for my entire family. So bear with me because I'm going to take you on this adventure. So Monday was Martin Luther King Day. And so my husband had the day off. And we decided to walk up the street um, to this park, kind of in our neighborhood, but it's like a mile away. Um, And my daughter's been really into riding her scooter. And so when she rides her scooter, she can go a little bit further. So we're like, okay, a two mile walk overall, that won't be too bad. And so we scoot to the park, she rides her scooter, we walk, we brought our dog with us because we were going on a walk. And we get to the playground, a mile walk was a little much for me, I have not been that active recently. And so we get to the park and I had to sit down on the bench there, right? The park was super, super crowded. And if you guys have been longtime listeners, you know how I am with COVID. And it was a really big deal for us to even like be going to this park, but we're trying to, you know, like live our lives too. Um, And so we show up in our masks and nobody else there is masked, but we're like, okay, well, we're here. We're just going to let her play, even though it's crowded. We just like had the talk with her, like keep your distance and you know, it's okay to make friends, but just like, don't get too close to anybody. And when we say it's time to go, it's time to go and just kind of, you know, did the rundown. So my husband goes to like play with her at the, on the playground and I'm sitting on the bench with the dog. Now there is like another smaller big toy for kids more her age, but there's like a group of teenagers playing on it for some reason. So we're forced to stay on like the crowded big playground with kids of all ages. So For some reason, my dog is like overstimulated with all the kids running around and like there's a bunch of people there with their their dogs and he's on his leash, which he just is like a very social, playful dog. And so he just wanted to like play, but he couldn't. So he's on his leash. So he starts barking like like he sounded aggressive, like he was pissed that he couldn't get off of his leash and play. So he's barking, people are staring at us, like we're already the only weirdos there with masks on, (laughs) like the dog's barking. I'm like, okay, this is crazy. So I like try to get up with him. And then these two teenage girls come walking with like an also very crazy dog on a leash that they couldn't control. And so I'm trying to control my dog and he's going wild. I'm like holding onto his harness and everything, trying to control him. Like I had to yell for my husband to come help me because he's super strong. And I like felt something tweak on my back. I was like, okay, no big deal. Like I'll deal with it later. Get him under control. Then I told my husband, you know what? I'm just going to start walking back. You guys stay and play and I'll see you at home. And so I start walking back and I realized like, wow, that mile walk like really took it out of me. So I sat down on the sidewalk, like at the top of the park where I was like far away from everything. And I could still like take a minute before I started walking. And then I noticed that my husband and my daughter were like leaving the playground shortly after. So I kind of headed back over towards them because I was like, if they're leaving too, let's just all walk together. Okay, sorry, this is kind of long, but it's about to get intense. When I walk over there, I realize that they were leaving because the park got extremely crowded and the kids of all ages on the one toy were getting out of out of control. My husband said like kids were pushing, like somebody tried to push Nora down the slide. It was just like way too crowded and too many big kids for her to safely play there. So he told her that it was time to leave and she didn't want to leave. And now that Nora is three, she really is acting like a teenager and it's been really challenging. She started having a huge temper tantrum in the middle of the playground. Mind you, 
This was after the whole playground saw my dog barking and being crazy and me not being able to control him. Okay, so the dog's a mess. Now the kid's a mess. She is losing her mind screaming, like screaming her head off. And we sit there for like 10 minutes trying to do like the normal things that kind of calm her down with the temper tantrum, trying to distract her, trying to talk it out, trying to give her space, like nothing is working. So my husband ends up just having to pick her up and we start walking back home. She's screaming bloody murder, kicking, hitting, like losing her shit completely, just out of control. I can't help. I have the dog. I can't carry her when she's like that. So we get, I don't know, not that far, but across the street, like park is out of our sight. And my husband sets her down and she just will not stop screaming. We sat there for probably like another 15, 20 minutes, could not get her to calm down. So finally I told him like, you just have to go get the car. Like, I don't know what else to do. We, you can't carry her the whole way home. Like she's losing it. So he runs home and gets the car. I'm sitting on the sidewalk on the street corner while she's like standing in the bushes several feet away from me, screaming, I want to go to the playground over and over again for the entire time it took him to run almost a mile home and then drive back. So that was fun. So he drives back and he like skirts the truck up on the side of the road, just like in the middle of the <laughs> intersection and like jumps out of the car. She's screaming and we like pick her up and we're like trying to get her in her car seat and she's screaming bloody murder, like <laughs> like throwing her arms all around, throwing her legs all around. Like it literally looked like we were, it looked like we were kidnapping this kid. Like luckily nobody was around or stopped or did anything. She would not calm down. So he gets her in the car and we get back in the car and it was like obviously a short drive. So we get home. And finally got her to calm down and all the things. But like, oh my gosh, I've never seen anything like that. Like a collective family hot mess moment. It was, it was ridiculous. Like I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. So anyway, later that night after she goes to bed, I realized that the little tweak I felt in my back while I was trying to control my dog was like full blown. Like he completely did something to my back, like threw it out. So had to go to the chiropractor, got that adjusted, I have a massage that is coming up that will help too. But I guess like the relaxing in your body when you're pregnant, like makes it way easier to get injured or something. So I don't know. It was just like a complete hot mess. Low for the week. I just had to share that with you guys because the only thing that got me through, I was like, okay, this is good content. I know there's people who are going to understand and relate to this. Like I know that there's people who have been in similar situations with their kids, but man, if you have a three-year-old or if you've ever had a three-year-old, like, how? <laughs> like, how are we doing this? How? Okay. So enough about me and that whole mess that just, yeah, that was intense. I am super excited to get into this episode. So my guest for this episode is a life coach who specializes in helping women, particularly professional moms, stop overeating without the use of diets, shakes, or crazy workouts. And on her journey to where she is now, she learned to think differently, which led her to eat differently and in a simple and sustainable way. And she's going to talk all all about this on the show today. For her, that was 30 pounds ago, and today she lives happily with her family in California and maintains her natural weight without counting calories or carbs, and she's on a mission to teach other women how to ditch the diet drama and create the lives they crave unapologetically. I am so excited for you guys to hear this episode today, so please help me welcome to the show Leah right after this short break. 
Mamas, I have been working on something just for you, and I want to take some time to tell you about Boss Ladies and Babies Headquarters. Consider this your new personal headquarters. BlabHQ provides you instant guidance and education around all the things it takes to run a business while raising babes. Balance, time management, personal and business identity, business foundation, branding, social media, and so much more. It's time to get bossy and take your business to the next level with accountability, networking and support, and a community full of cheerleaders helping you ditch the side hustle and create the business and life of your dreams. Everything you need right here in one place with a community of people who understand you. I'm currently looking for founding members to join Boss Ladies and Babies Headquarters at a special price of just $27 a month for life. Prices will be going up in February, so if you'd like to get in and see what this is all about, check out the link in the show notes. It's time for this week's Boss Lady Business Spotlight. Meet Tracy Rodriguez. For those with pain that won't quit, you do not have to keep living this way. Tracy Rodriguez is a corrective exercise specialist giving women the tools to eliminate chronic pain when no other methods have worked. You can snag a free consultation to find pain relief by DMing her on Instagram at Tracy Rodriguez, or you can visit www.workpainfreeprogram.com to learn more. Right. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yes. I feel like you have such a unique way of looking at the things that we're going to be talking about today. And so Mm -hmm. I've just been dying to have this conversation with you. So before we jump into everything, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell the listeners who you are, what you do, what makes you a boss lady. Let's hear everything. Yes. Okay. My name is Leah Pinelli and I'm a life coach. I specialize in helping uh, particularly ambitious, badass women uh, who want to stop overeating. I help them essentially do just that by using a blend of coaching, psychology, and hard science to actually rewire their brains so that we can really change our relationship with food. I love that so much. And I love how you approach the topic of like the health and the weight loss in such a realistic and honest way. I think, you know, sometimes when we talk about things like health and weight loss, people can kind of feel like, I don't really want to talk about like that. Mm. That can be a little pressury or uncomfortable, but everything that you do, and I, I think it has to do with your coaching background really makes it feel comfortable and just honest and just like a safe place to talk about these kinds of things. So I'm really excited to pick your brain and hear how you got started in doing what you do. Oh man. Okay. Kind of a long story, but I'm going to give you the shortened version. Yes. But, um, essentially I, I became a life coach. Actually, my background is in education. So I was a high school teacher and an administrator, um, for 15 years. And, um, and I did some coaching actually in my role as an administrator and also as an instructional coach. Um, but essentially I started, um, I was allowed to create my own, actually it was my own elective, whatever I wanted to create. And I had always been really passionate about empowering teenage girls to 
not only thrive, but to build confidence and to really step into themselves. Because you remember your teenage years. Mm -hmm. I remember mine pretty well. And they are confusing and overwhelming. And like we date the biggest losers. And, you know, we put up with so much BS and we don't understand our own bodies and what's going on. And we're trying to negotiate relationships and all this stuff. And so I really wanted to create a space for girls to come together and talk about all the stuff that anybody who's been socialized as a woman is dealing with. Um, and so I created just that. And what I found when I was um, doing that work was that I really didn't have the skill set to help my girls navigate their own lives. I had plenty of opinions like, oh, you should dump his ass. But like, I, but like that didn't actually help them make their own decisions. So I decided I needed some more tools. I knew I didn't want to like change careers and become a therapist or anything like that. So I learned about life coaching and I'm like, oh, that sounds like exactly what I'm looking for. Tools mm-hmm. to help humans navigate their lives. Um, so I did life coach training, um, and I totally fell in love with life coaching and I had, and I was so still working with girls, still working in schools. And I had heard about weight loss coaching. Like, you know, I, I had heard about it and I literally thought to myself, well, that sounds like total BS because if that worked, I would have already done it by now. Because I was somebody who I've always been overweight. I was always kind of swinging on a pendulum back and forth, right. Between like being particularly overweight to maybe just a little overweight, depending on like, you know, how many illicit drugs I was using or whatever it was, like how much partying I was doing. Right. But I always struggled with my weight, always my whole, my whole life. And um, so when I heard about weight loss coaching, I literally just thought that sounds like a scam because if Mm -hmm. that worked, I would have already done it because I had done every diet in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I really steered clear of it. And I was a life coach for a couple of years before I accidentally stumbled upon a tool. Um, And it's actually the tool that I teach now for free. I mean, I, I'll, I'll give your listeners that information, but um, I stumbled upon this tool and I tried it and it was minimal effort to try this tool, but I actually, without even trying, without doing a diet, without changing what I was eating, I actually lost seven pounds just trying that tool. And I was like, okay, wait a minute, because it was addressing my brain. It was addressing the relationship between my brain and my body Mm -hmm. and diets always just address the body. It just addresses, don't eat this, just eat that, you know, use willpower, be good. Right. This thing that women constantly get told, like you have to be perfect. You have to be good. You have to squeeze yourself into this idealized version of yourself and you have to suffer your whole way there. Mm -hmm. And to me, I'm like, that sucks. I don't want that. But this was the first time that there was actually an admission of, Oh, like, it's not just what I'm eating. It's how I'm approaching food. It's my relate. It's how I'm using food. And so when I started, then I, I was totally intrigued when I dropped seven pounds without barely trying, I was like, what's happening. I have to know more. So then I went all in on that. Um, and I, uh, that was 30 pounds ago and over four years ago. And, wow. and what I realized was once I solved for all of the brain, like all, like once I figured out why I was overeating, and how to actually stop overeating, but still love food, not diet, enjoy food. Like once I figured that out, it freed up, Megan, I'm not even kidding, so much mental space Mm -hmm. because all the time that I had been spending, like Googling why my metabolism is slow, the next workout I should be doing, you know, counting points or calories or carbs, like all that was just done. Like, I don't have to do any of that anymore. And once I free that freed up, I was like, Oh my gosh. Like imagine if we collectively as women could free up our mental real estate in that way, 
like we would have taken over the world by now, you know? Yeah, like, I, seriously. And I just realized I was like, this is the work I need to do is to help other women do what I did, which is essentially create space. My, you know, Katie Couric says in the, in the film misrepresentation, she says something I'm paraphrasing, but something along the lines of if we, as women spent a 10th of the amount of time that we're currently spending worrying about dieting, if we spent that on the things that really mattered, like we would be running the show by now. And, and I really do think that that's true. And so I, I just decided that's, that's what I have to do with my time and energy. So I, I yeah. really went from working with girls and trying to empower girls in this one particular way to now, I kind of am going at them through their, this generation of women who are now raising girls. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if we can smash diet mentality and we can do this for the next generation, like we could solve this problem. The, oh, yes. Know, Yes. I, it's like so full circle too, for you, because yeah. it's like, how can women not think that way? Like how are our brains not wired that way when it starts from the time that we are so young. And so yeah. that just seems like such a natural progression for what you're doing that you started working with these young girls and here you are now. I mean, how can we not feel that way? Like that is the way that we were raised. And yeah. I think it's so special that more people are talking about just being conscious about how we're raising our girls, like you said, and, you know, no, no fault to my mom, but growing up, you know, I remember her always being like, Oh, I hate my body. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, making these comments, which is, was normal. And that's how so many of us grew up hearing these things. And mm -hmm. so just even what we can do in our own homes right now is being really conscious of how we talk about our bodies in front of our own children and the work that you're doing with changing our actual mindset because yes. that's easy to say, like, just love your body. Like, don't care yes. about what you like. Don't, you know, don't call yourself fat. Like that's easy to say, but when it comes down to it, like, that's not how our brains work. Not but at all. Amazing that what you're doing. Totally. And I love that you said that about your mom and, and, you know, it, it was, it was, there, there is research that shows that when, um, girls are raised in households where their mother figure diets, we are then, um, more likely to experience disordered eating in our lives. Now mm -hmm. I say that, but I also want to just kind of like also say that we are really quick to blame our mothers for everything mm -hmm. <laughs> culturally. <laughs> so I don't want to do that either. Right. But it, but it is true, right? That, that we, we understand what it means. So much of our socialization as women is, um, is influenced by the role that our mother plays in our lives. Right. And so you know, my mom never explicitly pushed anything on me, except I do remember seeing her counting her points at the kitchen table. And I mm -hmm. do remember that I first became aware. I mean, I always knew I was overweight because kids would tease me on the playground, but I didn't really think that it was a problem until I remember my mom saying when I was nine, I remember her so gently. I mean, she did it better than I could have ever done with my own child, but so gently saying to me like, well, maybe we should try a diet. And it mm. wasn't because she was embarrassed of me. It's because the pediatrician suggested it. So she mm. thinks she's being a good mom. Right? And she was, but that yeah. was when I first realized, oh, there's something wrong with me. Mm. Like I have to do something different than my sister who was always the skinny sister. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. And so it's that you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I work with so many women who have said to me, oh, well, I never talk about it in front of my daughter. I never talk about it in front of her. But I also work with women who have told me, well, my mom never talked about it, mm. but I, I saw her, I like, I saw her walking past the mirror and like pulling, you know, pulling her shirt out or hiding her rolls or whatever it was. And I saw her discomfort in her own skin. Mm -hmm. And so I, I totally agree with you, Megan, that it, 
so many of us try so hard to really watch what we say, mm-hmm. but it's who we're being that our daughters also see, right? And, yeah. and not just not just daughters, not just girls, but boys too, boys right? Too. They're learning yeah. from us as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so, so much pressure, but I feel like yeah. really getting to the root of our problems that we have and changing yeah. that mindset. I, that's, that makes so much sense why your approach is so different and feels so much more comfortable because it is really solving something from the root and not yes. just like the immediate issue that we see. So yeah. I have to ask, and I, I feel like I kind of know the answer to this, but do you buy into like the weight loss new year's resolutions? Like, I feel like so many people are always like, I want to lose weight at the top of their list and, you know, have these health resolutions, but then those are the first things that fall off when they get busy. And then we just beat ourselves up about it because, you know, everyone else is trying to lose weight at the new year. So we should too, like, what are your thoughts on those types of resolutions? Yeah, such a good question. You know, I am someone who I love cycles. I love the idea of like rebirth and renewal and, you know, springtime and, you know, coming out of winter. And I do love all of those things. Mm-hmm. I think that they can be really useful, but only to the extent that they are useful in that we're actually a getting the result that we want and B that we feel good while mm-hmm. we're doing them. Right. Yeah. And so, so often what's happening is when we're setting those new year's resolutions, they're coming from a place of self-loathing and they're coming from a place of shame and guilt and I'm bad and I need to get better. I'm broken and I need to fix myself. Mm-hmm. I'm never in support of that, but I also totally understand that because that was me for a bajillion years, right? Like mm-hmm. totally understand that mentality. But I also think that that mentality is actually what drives us toward failure because we never ever get, we, we often think that like, let me just say, when we think, when people say like, well, I want to lose weight, it's often because they think I just want to, you know, want to beef and I want to, you know, not carry this excess weight. But the real reason that they want to lose the weight to begin with is because they think they're going to feel better when they do. It always comes down to a feeling, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm going to feel better when I'm no longer overweight. For me, it was less about losing weight. And it was actually, I, I hated my behaviors with food. I hated Mm. how much I thought about food, how much time I spent agonizing about food or trying to figure food out. I hated overeating and feeling sick after food. Like I hated all of that. But so I thought if I could stop doing that, then I'll just feel better. I'll feel normal. I'll feel happy. Mm -hmm. So when we set a new year's resolution, we're doing it because we think we're going to feel better once we get the result. But the fallacy in this thinking, the problem with this thinking is we think that in order to get to feeling better, we have to move from this place of feeling really shitty the whole way. Mm -hmm. So it's like the no pain, no gain idea. Right. Um, and so what happens is, is we, we go from this place of, I really hate myself and I really want to love myself. So I think I just have to lose weight and then I'm going to love myself. Right. But the truth is, is it doesn't work that way. It doesn't actually happen that way. We can lose the weight and guess what? We're still stuck with the same brain that says, well, now your boobs are sagging. Right. right. Or now you're, you know, you have, and this actually happened to me. Like I'm saggier. I have more wrinkles, right? Because I don't right. have as much fat on my body. Mm-hmm. And so we just end up going from, I hate my thighs to now I hate my boobs. Right. And so it, you're still taking the same brain with you. So for me, what I always kind of encourage my clients to do is instead of setting intentions from a place of self-loathing, we have to actually learn to love ourselves right here and right now. And the fear there is that, well, if I love myself now, then I won't change, but that's, that's not true either. Because if you think about it, if you've ever moved from a city you loved to a new city, 
you don't have to hate the city you currently live in in order to want to move to Hawaii. It's like, right. I can love San Francisco and I can still want to move to Honolulu, right? It right. doesn't mean I have to hate San Francisco to want to, like, I'm not less motivated to move now. It's like, I can just love both. I can love myself in this body and also still want to change, change my behaviors. And therefore I can do it from a place of feeling good. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I'll say, I know it can be a little long-winded, Megan, but- No, oh, I love it. I'm just like, keep going, keep going. <laughs> this is the so good. The last thing I'll say is that, you know, when we, when we move from a place of love, when in order to sustain the result, and I say this all the time on my own podcast, in order to sustain the result. So I'm always talking about like, in order to actually keep the weight off, because most of my clients, all of my clients, they know how to lose weight. Mm-hmm. We've done it a million times. It's just that we always gain our weight back once we lose our willpower or the diet's over and the new year's over all the things The the key is that you have to actually enjoy the road. You have to enjoy the path. There has to be so much pleasure mm. in what, in how you're getting there, that you're happy to stay there because you're enjoying it. You're enjoying your food. You're enjoying your movement. You're enjoying your life. And you're not you didn't suffer your way there. There's no such thing as no pain, no gain in my world, because if there's a bunch of pain to get there, you won't sustain it. You won't stay there. So it has to be full of pleasure and joy and love. It's still hard work. And it's the same as parenting, right? Like parenting is so hard. It's like the hardest thing we ever have to do, but there's so much joy and love. We're not kicking our kids out when they're two, (laughs) (laughs) right? Even though sometimes you want to, because you're like, this is so hard, but it's also so much joy and pleasure and love in my heart for this, this time in my life. It's the exact same thing with changing your behaviors with food so that you can actually sustain them. This is, the, this is where I always say, I know I won't ever gain my weight back and my clients won't gain their weight back because we loved the entire pathway there and we still love it while we're, once we've reached the goal, we feel good. We don't feel like we're suffering. Oh, I love, that's so good. And that comparison was just like, so perfect because like, we can feel that, you know, like we've been there, we've experienced that most of us listening. And you just think about, you know, how often it's like, oh, I ate something I shouldn't. And so now I'm going to go punish myself. I, you know, like for me, I would always punish myself with running, which is actually something I love doing, but then it turned into like running was this punishment for when I did something bad. Right. And I just, I love everything that you're saying about how you can have this positive experience where you're loving yourself and you're making these changes in such a healthy way. And we just don't think about this, like weight loss being healthy a lot of times, because we just go down into these cycles that we've always done. I, yeah. I think that is so, so perfect. Yeah. And, 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 and so much of the, the fallacy there is that there's something wrong with me. Like, mm-hmm. because I know that if I run this many miles and if I eat this way, then I'll get to my goal weight how come I can't just stay there? Like, what's wrong with me? Why do I always give in to the chocolate chip cookies? Why am I always shoveling my kids goldfish in my mouth at three mm-hmm. o'clock? Like, <laughs> wh- like, you know what I mean? Like, why do I keep, what's wrong with me that I can't just stick to it? Yeah. And what's wrong is that it's because of we're, we're coming from this place of, it doesn't feel good. It does not feel, I mean, for me, I hate running. <laughs> so like, that, like, it doesn't, but, but I used to do it. I would force myself to do it because I thought that's what I have to do mm-hmm. in order to be the strong, fit, slim person I wanted to be. 
And really all that does is it makes us miserable. And then we go home and try to feel better with a brownie. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's like this cycle, like I'm going to punish yes. myself and then I'm going to reward myself yes. and then I'm going to punish myself again. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've 100%. definitely been there. Oh man. Yeah. That yeah resonates so well. All right. Yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit because so much of what you teach, I was actually part of a speaking event with you and I sat in one of your classes and you were teaching about I don't remember the name, so correct me here, but it's something along the lines of how to eat healthy when you're busy AF. That's exactly the okay. name. Good job. Yes, perfect. Yeah. And I just was like, oh my gosh, I love this so much. This, you know, because so many of us, that's our reason why yeah. we can't yeah. be healthy. Not even yeah. just with eating, but just like being healthy in general, mentally, like mental health and physical health. That's the reason for so many of us. And anything that teaches you to make something work when you're busy AF is something that I'm here for. And I know so many of the listeners are too, because as moms, you know, as well as I do, we're busy AF all the time and it's hard to be healthy and to have enough energy to get through the day and live our lives and our businesses the way that we want to. And Mm -hmm. so talk to me about what you call self-sustenance. Is that right? Okay. Let's hear about that and, and how we can truly replenish our energy levels when we are so busy. Yes. Okay. So Um, I actually just recorded like a four part series on my podcast for how to eat healthy when you're busy AF. It's a four parter. So that's how big it is. Wow. So, so people can go check that out there for the actual, like, like concrete, like here's how to eat healthy, like truly when you're really busy. So you can check that out. Self-sustenance is one of my favorite topics to talk about um, because self-sustenance is very much related. Self-sustenance is a concept that I did not create. Um, I first heard of self-sustenance by another coach. Her name was Natalie Miller. So I give her credit. I don't know if she created the term either, but that's where I first heard of it. Yeah. Um, self-sustenance is this idea that, and I love this particularly for women, is that it's this idea, the way that I understand it is we give off so much energy in a day, right? So from the moment you wake up, like, you're, you have to use some energy to even get your butt out of bed, right? Mm-hmm. To put on your glasses, to make your coffee, like everything takes some energy. And then for those of us who have careers, we are often giving a ton of energy to the career. Mm-hmm. For those of us who are raising children, we are giving a ton of energy to children. For those of us who maybe are partnered, we're giving energy to our partners, to pets. I have a puppy in my house right now. I can't oh, even no. tell you the amount of energy <laughs> that that puppy yes. is getting, right? So like, we are giving off energy all day long. And the piece that is, I think, missing for so many of us is we tend to view energy as this thing that we just give, 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 give. Mm -hmm. And we very rarely think about it as being something that we actually need to receive in order to give. Mm -hmm. So if we think about money as energy as well, it's the same idea. I can't spend money that I don't have, Right. right? I can't, I can't give you any money, Megan, if I don't have the, if I haven't received money in some capacity from someone somewhere, somehow. Mm -hmm. So as women, I think we just have this idea that we're constantly supposed to be churning out energy without any expectation of receiving energy back. And so self-sustenance is this idea that in order to sustain my current level of energetic output, I need to actually have an equal amount of energy coming in, Mm -hmm. right? And I never thought about it this way before, right? Because instead I'm just like, how much can I give off today? How much can I give today? Give, 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 right? Right. And so when I thought about it that way, the first thing that it makes you do is it makes you actually ask yourself, first of all, what actually gives me energy? 
So this is where self-sustenance is different from self-care. Because a lot of times when we think about self-care, people think about a bubble bath and a mani-pedi. Neither one of those things give me personally any energy whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But what does give me energy is going for a walk in the sunshine with my dog, right? Taking a break, going for a walk. What else gives me energy? Number one, sleep, right? Mm -hmm. Like, duh, right? Like getting enough sleep is actually going to give me more energy, not less. Mm -hmm. I have lit. I have a list. Um, I did a podcast about self-sustenance as well. And 10 things that truly give me energy, right? Mm-hmm. And so then what you do is once you have this list for yourself of like, okay, these are the ways that I receive energy. And by the way, you'll notice the things that I just mentioned, my examples, this is not somebody else giving me energy. So mm-hmm. I don't need my husband to give me a shoulder rub in order for me to receive energy. Although that's a lovely thing for him to do. We don't need other people to give us energy. All we need to do as women is actually train ourselves to receive, Mm. right? And then Mm -hmm. we can actually give it to ourselves, but we have to give ourselves permission to receive it in the first place. And then we have to actually carve out time to get it. So that's where it's like, okay, I have to actually say to myself, no, my sleep is just as important as getting a bajillion things done, as folding this laundry, as, you know, emailing this teacher, as, you know, emailing this client, like my sleep is actually going to give me more energy than if I were to get four more things done today on my to-do list. Hmm. And so when, when you actually identify what is the self-sustenance for you, what is going to sustain your energetic output, then you have to actually put on your calendar and you have to prioritize it because you recognize that if I don't prioritize it, it's actually going to have a net negative impact on my life because I won't be able to give, I won't be able to do everything I want to do right? I won't be able to give off as much energy for my kids, for my career, for, you know, my partner. I won't have as much energy to give because I haven't given myself the energy in the first place. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. And I understand why so many of us have a hard time with that because it's like choosing, you know, we've all had those moments like, okay, my kid is occupied doing something. Do I work, do the laundry, eat something, take care of myself or like work, right? Yes. And so it's like, we yes. all have those moments. And so it's really, really hard to give ourselves that permission to yeah. take care of ourselves. I like what you said about how, you know, me going to sleep is going to give me more energy than if I get four more things done off my to-do list. Like yes. that hit for me because, you know, so many of us are slaves to our to-do list and totally. we just are completely backwards on how we think of things. Like I just did a podcast or I have, I don't think I recorded it yet coming up about productivity. And it's like, I've I feel productive because I got everything done on my to-do list, which is not the way that things really need to be. And it's so hard for us to think like, this is going to give me more energy by taking care of myself than feeling good about accomplishing my to-dos. Yes, yes, exactly. And you just like illustrated that so clearly because I mean, that's that's all day long, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where getting really clear on what is actually important. What do I really want to be spending my time doing Mm -hmm. so that it helps me to make those decisions. And for me, self-sustenance goes on my calendar, like, and it's a non-negotiable because here's the, here's what happens is when we don't choose self-sustenance and we don't sustain our energy, we actually will, at least my clients and I used to go straight into self-soothing instead. Because now what we've done is we have run ourselves ragged. And this is why Mm -hmm. so many of us get to the end of the day, the evenings and the weekends. Mm-hmm. These are like the two like quote unquote weak points in the, in the, in the, in our lives for my clients, because that's when we're like, well, I said, I wasn't going to eat, you know, I wasn't going to eat any chocolate tonight, but 
I just need to, I deserve it. I've had a day, right? Mm-hmm. I deserve the, to drink, you know, the entire bottle of wine. I deserve the chips, I, right? Because we have not received mm-hmm. enough energy. We haven't taken care of ourselves in that way. And so then we go to self-soothing instead of self-sustenance. And self-soothing is often with, and it doesn't have to be food. I'm sure you have listeners who don't struggle with overeating, but it can be overeating, right. it can be over drinking, it can be over Facebooking, it can be over Netflixing, mm-hmm. it can be over yelling at your kids or your husband, right? Like mm-hmm. we do that as a release mm-hmm. because we just haven't created enough space in our lives to receive. Right. And that makes sense. Why it's such a common excuse that I can't be healthy because I'm too busy because that's kind of like how we're rewarding ourselves for being busy, which is so toxic. And we don't want to really give that up. And maybe we don't realize that's what we're doing, but when we really are honest with ourselves and we think like, well, it's not that I'm too busy. It's that I enjoy rewarding myself with this at the end of the day, because I'm so busy. And if I have to change that, who am I? (laughs) Right. Yes. Oh my gosh. And that is so important because there's an identity piece in there, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I have to change that, who am I? And that is actually what is at the root of so many of my clients. um, A lot of the reason why we have lost weight so many times and then gained it back is because we have an identity as someone who struggles Mm -hmm. with weight. Mm -hmm. And I have an identity as someone who drinks a lot of wine and I have an identity Mm -hmm. as someone who, and so then it it really becomes, we have to learn to divorce ourselves from these old identities that don't serve us and start to adopt a new identity that is more in aligned with who it is that we really most want to be in the world. But Mm -hmm. those kinds of shifts, we can dream about them all day long, but when it comes to like the rubber meeting the road and we really are going to make those differences in our lives, that is some hard work. Yeah. That is some really hard work, but that's also where it's totally possible. We can totally do it. And it's just a matter of making the, getting the right support, the right connections, the right mentorship, the right community yeah. in order to make the changes that we really want to make in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like something that is going to be really hard to do alone. So we shouldn't have to do that alone. Cause that's a big, a yeah. big shift. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay. So we're going to tune into your episodes about how to eat healthy when you're busy AF and kind of get those tips from you. Because I mean, what I learned from you and I think it was like 45 minutes was so, so valuable. So we're going to make sure that we all go tune into that four part series to hear all of those tips, but besides being too busy, what are some of like the common myths that you hear people say, like, I can't be healthy or eat healthy because of X, Y, Z. Okay. Yes, for sure. So one is definitely, I am too busy and mm-hmm. I've totally solved that for you. Yep. <laughs> my episodes, I think, I think if I remember correctly, it's like episodes 51, 52 and 53 on my podcast. But then um, another one that I hear a lot is I don't want to eat differently from my family. Mm. I hear that a lot, right? Because, and this is the diet mentality coming in. It's like, well, I don't want to be like making myself a special meal, which I totally understand. Um, And what I think is also fascinating about that though, is so many of us moms are willing to make our kids a special meal because our Mm -hmm. kids don't like what we're having, but we aren't willing to give ourselves that same level of accommodation. Mm -hmm. So just noting that first and foremost, but I also say to clients though, I don't eat different. Well, I do eat differently from my family, but I don't make special meals for myself. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is my husband's from Buffalo, New York. The man can literally eat pizza and wings every day and not (laughs) eat a vegetable. He will, when he's cooking dinner and I'll say to him like, you know, what's the veggie tonight? He's like, uh, kimchi. 
I'm like, that is not a vegetable. <laughs> or like pickles. Like pickles. pickles my husband vegetable. does that too. <laughs> I'm like, are you joking? Like that is not, that is not how I eat, right? That is not my definition of being healthy. Yeah. Um, and my kiddo, he's seven. Like, I'm not gonna pretend like he loves vegetables. He doesn't love vegetables at all. Like he wants yeah. to eat like chicken wings and pizza with his dad every day, right? <laughs> so and donuts and all the things. So when I say I don't eat differently from my family, I definitely eat differently from my family in that I eat more vegetables than they do. Yeah. Um, and I definitely eat less pizza and wings than they do. Mm-hmm. However, we eat pizza and wings regularly in this household, right? But here's the thing is on our table, when there's pizza and wings, there's also a big old salad and maybe a, you know, a side of um, uh, broccoli, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so my point is that what in our house, when we talk about eating differently from our family, the only thing that's different is their plates are piled high with pizza wings and a little bit of salad. Mm-hmm. My plate is piled high with salad and, you know, and the wings, and maybe I'm having pizza that night and maybe I'm skipping it because mm-hmm. I'm not a huge pizza fan. But the point is that everybody gets offered everything and there are some requirements for kids, right? Like mm-hmm. you got to try it. You know, you got to at least have some veggie, like we right. all are trying to do that with our kids. Right. But at the end of the day, it's not a special meal. It's just that the composition of our plates look mm-hmm. a little bit different. Mm-hmm. That has worked extremely well for my family for many, many years now. And it works really well for my clients' families. I don't ever have clients that are making mommy a special meal because she's on a diet. In fact, that's exactly the mentality that we want to get rid of. And instead, I don't even think my kid knows what a diet is, but he yeah. definitely knows that mommy eats healthy. And that's because mommy eats so many vegetables. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm glad to model that for him, right? I'm I'm glad to model that, that, you know, kind of cognitive apprenticeship that he's seeing there. It's like, okay, that's how this works. Yeah. I love that. It was really important to me when we had my daughter, she's three now that she ate what we ate. I never wanted yeah. to, and no judgment to anybody who does this, but I personally don't love cooking. And so I never wanted to, you know, make something for her and something different for us. And mm-hmm. so we're, we have like a lot of people tell us that we eat weird. We have like a pretty paleo kind of lifestyle. We don't eat a lot of grains. We eat a ton of vegetables and that's just how it's been for her, her whole life. Now, as she's getting older, you know, there are some things mixed in like goldfish and mac and cheese and things like that, that she still gets to have. But we just, just like you, like the, you know, things, the proportions are just different and it's worked so, so well for us too. It, it, it just feels really just healthy mentally and physically for our family dynamic. And, you know, if they are having something for dinner that I don't want to eat, I'll just, you know, eat something else then. And that's fine. I just don't like what you're having or whatever. And that's, totally. that's worked really well for us too. Yeah. It's, just, it's similar in our house. And, and there are nights where maybe my son and I like something that my husband doesn't like. So he mm-hmm. throws something into the mix. That's a little bit different. And then vice mm-hmm. versa, right? Like when we have my, my, my kiddo loves sushi and he loves raw salmon. He doesn't love cooked salmon. We eat a lot of cooked salmon around here. So huh, yeah. when we're having cooked salmon, my husband just makes sashimi for him or, or, or he ends up having something different for his protein. It's like, no big deal. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. It's been interesting here because, um, I'm pregnant right now. I'm, uh, almost 14 weeks pregnant and my, thank you. My first trimester was (laughs) 
all the carbs all the time. Like that's all that I could stomach. And so trying to, you know, the whole household kind of shifted with me and now trying to like shift things back to our normal way of eating has been, uh, quite an adventure here. And it's, it's a lot different than how I was eating before, even still, because, you know, food aversions and all of that. But for me personally, I always feel like the best about my body and the healthiest when I'm pregnant, even when I'm eating differently than what I normally eat. Mm. And I'm sure that's like a whole nother can of worms, but, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's been, it's been interesting over here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we are going to wrap things up here. Um, I could talk to you about this all day. Like I love your approach on this so much. I'm really passionate about food and like different ways of eating healthy and how people approach that. And I just really, really love how you talk about this. I I cannot say that enough. I just could talk to you about this all day, but we're going to have to wrap it up. So I have a final question that I ask everybody. And if it, if you could give one tip on balancing being a mom and a boss lady, what would that tip be? Oh, such a good question. You know, that is such a good question. And here is my one answer. Here's my one answer, actually. This is actually probably, it's an easy answer, actually. Easy easy choice for me to make and what I'm going to choose, which is that I think the one thing that I would say is deciding ahead of time, what are your top five values? Hmm. And what I mean by that is, I really mean really deciding for yourself, what are my top five values? Who do I want to be as a mom? Who do I want to be as a business owner? Um, and how do I want to show up? Because for me, I knew that I, I wanted, I do not want to be the mom that's constantly on her phone. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what that has meant for me is I had to get really good at scheduling my time and at prioritizing and at focusing like focus is everything. And I am not good at it. Like I am still learning, right. How to do this well, because there's, I get so excited about so many things, so many shiny new objects. I'm like, I want to do this for my clients. I want to try that. Right. And it's like, whoa, Leah, you've got to just focus because if I don't, what ends up happening is, is my work could so easily bleed into evenings and weekends. And I'm not willing to do that. So what I have done pretty much the whole time is I have held certain hours sacred on my calendar evenings. And back in the day when I had a day job and was running my business, I was working quite a bit on the weekends. Mm -hmm. Um, but now that I actually am just coaching full-time, I don't run two jobs anymore. Um, my, I have sacred time for my child and to be present with my family. And that is no phones. That is no mommy work. That is no computer. That is no clients. It's just me and my family. And I really hold to those times. And I I think it can be different for different people, right? Like, Mm -hmm. because we all kind of have a capacity where I'm like, I don't want to be with my kid all day long. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I love working. Right. But yep. I also don't want to work all day long. So it was really about finding like, how many hours do I want to be with my child and how many hours do I want to be working? And then how can I actually block that into my calendar and then love myself enough to follow through with my promise that this is what I'm going to do. What I put on my calendar, I can trust myself to have my own back and do exactly what I said I was going to do on that calendar. And it's a work in progress. There are definitely days where I don't do what I said I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do for the most part, that is, that is my focus. And that is my intention. 
Oh, you're just so insightful. I love that. That's such a good tip. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's yeah, such a great you. tip. Thank yes. you. Okay. Well, I can't let you go without my favorite part of the show. And so I am going to invite you to share a time that you have been a total hot mess. Give us your most embarrassing story of being a hot mess in business or motherhood. We've all been there. So let's hear yours. Oh gosh. Most embarrassing. I mean, it's really hard to choose. I feel like I have been a hot mess en enough times um, to definitely uh, have quite a few stories to choose from. But, you know, I think, I think probably the one that comes to mind first, although I'm sure I have so many motherhood stories where I'm a hot mess. Oh, oh, here's actually a really good one. So I am a huge fan of Lizzo um, and I um, listen to Lizzo often. And so my son has been raised listening to Lizzo. Yes. <laughs> and, um, one day he was probably like four years old and maybe three or four. And I was driving him to school at preschool. And, um, he was saying something, talking about something. And then he was like, yeah, bitch. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, cause of course I'm this raging feminist. Right. And so I was like, where did you hear that word? <laughs> Where did, who said that word in front of you? Because I mean, his dad cusses like a sailor, and I cuss every once in a while. But his dad cusses all the time. His his dad never edits, but his dad never uses the word bitch, right? And I wouldn't be married to a man who did. And so I was like, where did you hear that? And he was like, I don't know, I don't know. And then so I was like, don't you ever use that word again? That word offends mommy. And that you know, blah blah blah. I gave him this whole lecture, dropped him off, and it wasn't until like the, that weekend. Luckily, it was pretty close on the heels of that incident when we were again, driving in the car, we were listening to Lizzo. And then all of a sudden I hear it. It's like, you know, it's a bitch all the time. And I was all, oh, and I was like, and I turned the radio down. I was like, Kai Kai, I was like, is that where you heard the word bitch? And he was like, I think so. And I was like, I'm so sorry, you know, because it was me, like, not Lizzo. And I, and I realized, you know, Lizzo uses bitch in a very different context than, right. than how I was hearing this child say, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so I felt so bad and I still feel bad because I mean, I really flipped out on him, like laid in him and he felt shame. And I try to not make my child feel shame, but I was so enraged. And then I realized it was all me, you know, oh my it was all me, me and Lizzo, although I can't blame Lizzo, it was 100% me, so. Well, and we can't blame oh you God. for loving Lizzo, so. I know, right? <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's so good. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> oh my face hurts from laughing. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. I yeah. feel like that's going to happen with my daughter too. Cause I mean, we're not the best at censoring our music around her, which yes, we probably should start paying attention. No, here either. My oh. bumping Biggie Smalls all the time. I'm like, yes. oh, here we go. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love it. Oh, I love it so much. All right. Well, we are going to wrap things up, but I yeah. would love for you to tell everybody where they can find you, where they can hear your podcast anything you have coming up, how they can work with you, all things. Yeah, I would love that. So you can always find me at leahpinelli.com. My name is L-I-A-P-I-N-E-L-L-I.com. Um, and there you can actually, right there, you can click and do a free under 17 minute training called Eating Without Fear. It's actually that first tool that I tried with weight loss coaching that was more of a mindset shift um, that allowed me to drop those seven pounds without trying. And you can do that right there for free at leahpinelli.com. Um, and also my podcast is at, um, the life you crave podcast, anywhere that you get your podcasts, you can, um, check it out. And it is my total passion. Um, my podcast, I love it. So I hope you check me out there. 
Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today and just such a great conversation. I loved everything you had to say and I can't wait for people to go listen to everything else that you have to offer. So thank you so much. Thank you, Megan. Thank you. All right. Until next time you got this mamas stay bossy. Hey mama, is this you desperately searching for people who understand what you're going through as a mom owned business owner, battling major overwhelm with all of the tasks, business and mom life throw your way feeling like there just isn't enough time in the day, but happy there isn't because you're so freaking exhausted. Struggle with being fully present? Are you thinking about work when you're with your family and thinking about your family while you're working? Are you losing yourself while caring for everyone else and pouring from that infamous empty cup? Have you dreamed of growing your business and ditching the side hustle, but you're afraid that people won't take you seriously if they know you're a mom? I've been there. In fact, I'd venture to say any mom business owner has. And you know what makes this special? You aren't alone. And I want to tell you all about Boss Ladies and Babies Headquarters because I have created a space just for you. I wish I had something like this when I became a mom. I was terrified about how I was going to balance everything I wanted to do. I'd been an entrepreneur my whole life and I also wanted to be home with my baby. I was convinced that people would lose respect for me if they knew I was a mother and that I would have to hide this huge part of myself to be seen as a professional. I was struggling so hard with finding the time to complete my to-do list without burning myself out. And I thought that I had to put my dreams on hold and keep them small so I could be there for my family. No one, and I mean no one, was talking about raising babies and building businesses. I was isolated, alone, and defeated. So I felt called to change this and I created my own safe space for boss ladies with babies. And I don't just mean infants, our children will always be our babies and a place full of support, resources, and community to help each other break the mold, create a new culture and make our biggest dreams come true. All while being the mamas that we've dreamed of being. I created Boss Ladies and Babies Headquarters just for you. You don't have to do this alone. You can have it all. Overwhelm is not a job requirement, and there is such a thing as balance when you get to choose how you create it. I want to tell you a little bit about Boss Ladies and Babies Headquarters and see if this is the community you've been looking for. You'll be surrounded by a community of like-minded women who understand what you're going through. You will learn to discover how to create unique balance in your life and manage your time in a way that works for you. And you will build your authority as a boss lady by creating a solid identity and business foundation for your life and business. There are monthly trainings and workshops with interactive worksheets inside of this community, as well as monthly ideation hours and Q&A, monthly networking events, weekly accountability, weekly inspiration, and unlimited connection and interactions with like-minded women who get it. There's also a ton of bonuses included and so many benefits. I could talk about this all day. So if you are interested in becoming a member of Boss Ladies and Babies Headquarters, check out the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening to Boss Ladies and Babies. If you like this episode, be sure to rate, review, and leave us some feedback. Make sure you follow us on social at Boss Ladies and Babies. Join the conversation in our private Facebook group and check out everything we have to offer like community, coaching, merch, and more at bossladiesandbabies.com. And until next time, stay bossy.